Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. My name is Daniel and I am the host and I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a wonderful series of episodes before this one, uh, but before we get into that, I want to bring in my Barb. He's still here. He's still alive. No, we don't need justice for Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lutheran. Oh, hello, everyone. And I'm glad to be your Barb. You're my Barb. I'm your Barb. Be my Barb. Everyone loves me. Everyone wants me back. Where's Michael, everyone? Where's Michael? Where's Michael? Yeah, like they haven't heard you on the intros and outros for part two the last uh, three episodes. Exactly. exactly. How you doing, buddy? No, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Man, I am I'm I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> so you, tired. You look a little I'm tired. So tired. Uh, kid and work work's been insane and trying to get writing in in between and podcast stuff is always fun. Oh, um, of course. You complain, but you also enjoy it. We have some really cool stuff coming up. I'm really excited with some of the people that are gonna be on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna be interviewing soon and um and people will hear probably in the next the new year. Yeah. They probably won't hear some of these until January. Oh, I know. We're we're scheduled out yeah guys we're scheduled out with shows already in the can till december yeah and in december we will probably just do a team hustle just because it's you know the holiday season and then we'll start new episodes in january yeah but i mean kind of going back to what you were talking about before with work and trying to fit in the art and then you know life and things i'm kind of dealing the same thing right now (laughs) i'm in the process of Finally, uh, starting the move. Yeah, process. You're, you're, I mean, trying, you're trying to find a new place. Yeah, I've been scouting around using hotpads.com, apartments.com. If you're listening, hotpads.com or apartments.com, we are taking sponsorships. <laughs> Please contact us, Padmapper as well. Um, but it's it's been so stressful. Apartment hunting is the worst, especially well, if you have a pet and you have a cat. We we do have a cat, and there's already been so many times where we've gone into a listing, mm-hmm. and the apartment is everything that we would possibly want mm-hmm. do you take pets cats no no and then it's just they know it you know it it's not going to go it's just awkward from. silence after <laughs> <It's>, that <laughs> it is it's just oh. like we would have loved for uh, you to have stayed here but now, now we, we i should just can't. show you sorry yeah we when we moved here my wife and i we had the worst time we have a 50 pound black lab uh and you know for being a pet loving city like LA, where people take their dogs into grocery stores mm-hmm. and to restaurants all the time, finding someplace that would take a black lab, which is to me one of the sweetest dogs mm-hmm. uh, out there, and has to be under twenty pounds. Has to be under twenty pounds, which are the louder dogs. <laughs> like in my experience, like we we live with three other ha- apartments that all have small little dogs that mm-hmm. constantly bark. Our dog never barks. No, he's actually super quiet. Yeah. He puts his paw on your lap mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just like... He just like, wants love, man. He's just like, hey, I'm here for you. He's all about the love. Just so you know. Yeah, he's all about the... <laughs> he whines a lot, though. He does whine a lot. Mm-hmm. If he sees a cat outside... If you saw Conan, oh, man. Oh, man. It would be over. The ultimate duel. <laughs> Conan's Michael's cat, by the way. I don't yes. know if you ever said his name. <laughs> no, I don't know if I have. Well, but... I think they've seen him on the Twitter and the Oh, yeah, I, I shared him on National Cat Day. <laughs> of course you did. Why wouldn't you? Of course. Um, but yeah, no, so that's been... It's been really nice because Mm -hmm. it's kind of the process of moving of course any city is going to be stressful but it's also an acknowledgement that i'm ready for change right in just my life i'm wanting to move my relationship with karen Mm -hmm. further and we're just ready for something new we're i feel like we've kind of grown as much as we can in the physical setting that we're in right so it's just that time of looking to the next step are you saying that you guys are breaking up 
Definitely. Is this where you're announcing it? It's a joint breakup, <laughs> and we're deciding to move in together. Um, Karen, I need you to listen to Team Hustle 4. It's really important. <laughs> I keep pushing her like, hey, you're listening, right? right you're right. listening. I'm ramping up to something important that you need to hear. Yeah. But so amidst all of the moving, mm-hmm. still also keeping up with acting class has been amazing. It's been getting more and more focused. We're going into our second round of scenes, mm-hmm. um, which... We're incorporating all the work that we've been doing, all of the emotional preparation, and now it's just rehearsing the lines. And I have one of the most dialogue-heavy scenes. It's a comedy scene from uh, The Owl and the Pussycat. Oh, nice. Um, and Which one do you play? I, I, I think I'm the Pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> He's a neurotic, uh, clean freak. Uh, he just lives in his apartment. Mm-hmm. We haven't been able to read the actual plays that they're from. We're mm-hmm. solely dealing with just the scenes because we're treating it as an exercise. Right. Um, but it's, so it's just living in that and making sure like not only do I have to go to work and I have to do all these other things, but I'm getting in that time to rehearse right. and how important that is. But before you can rehearse the blocking, you got to get the lines down. <laughs> so my partner and I, we've just been getting together, just drilling lines mm-hmm. uh, nonstop. So yeah, I've, I've been, um, the script I've kind of talked about a few times. I'm still working on that and still world building and building up the characters. It's been a little slower than I hoped it would be, but mm-hmm. um, especially finding time, especially since we've had to kind of rush a lot of audio notes and stuff recently, it's kind of been, I've had to push that aside a second. But I think building, one of the most exciting things for me when writing a script is building the world and the journey. Of course. And that's been, like, sometimes I kind of just want to stay doing that and not <laughs> actually get to the script writing because it's just like, oh, man, okay, and then this can happen, and then this can happen, and oh, what if we did this? Okay, but let's try to figure out how we get to this. And that, to me, that's always fun is mapping out that from here to here to here to here um, during during the pre-planning stages yeah. before the script is of actually, course. you know, typed up. Uh, I have another friend. He is an English teacher. He's actually... Uh, my friend Brendan Ward, who I was his best man, he's now about to teach at my old high school. Oh, that's awesome. And he's re- like taking the spot of my favorite English teacher. So do you hate him now? I do. <laughs> <laughs> no. How dare <laughs> but, you say? Exactly. But this summer, though, amidst all of him getting ready to, you know, wed this amazing woman and mm-hmm. everything, he... <laughs> to, uh, to wed, to wed this, this her, Yeah, or to marry... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's proper. It just sounds weird. It's proper, right? To Or, you know... To join his life with hers. <laughs> <laughs> to merge existences. Exactly. But during this, you know, very chaotic, because they also just moved to a new house, mm-hmm. he's also been writing. He's been working on his first book ever. Nice. And so he's very much kind of in that same area that you are in that he's world building. Mm-hmm. But he's working on a novel right. as opposed to a script. But, I mean, when it comes to world building, it's right. very much the same. You, what, you what, have kind, to, what kind of novel is it? Uh, yeah. It's going to be like a film noir uh, sci-fi. I was waiting for the sci-fi part. Yeah. Anybody, anybody, anybody tells me they're writing a novel and I go, what's it about? They always say it's some sci-fi fantasy epic. Well, I mean, for and him, so I was like, all right. He, he's been bouncing around the idea for this for a good couple mm-hmm. of years, but then he wasn't sure about the tone. And I just right. told him like, what do you naturally want this to be when you close your mind or when you close your eyes, what mm-hmm. do you see? Mm-hmm. And so just do that. Right. And he was very much stuck in like, he has two different plots that he was thinking of going towards and mm-hmm. I just told him do whichever one speaks to you more which do the one that makes you feel excited right when you start typing right. might not go anywhere and mm-hmm. then you'll find oh the other option is a clearer mm-hmm. option but you just have to go right absolutely well best of luck and, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brandon yeah Mr. Ward uh, but in terms of world building Daniel like mm-hmm. 
is there anything that you do specific? Like I know some people like they might map it out. They physically right. map it out or right. uh, they write it out on postcards or. Well, it's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's set in the real world, not a fantasy land. So I don't have to like, I'm not designing oh, okay. a city or anything like sure. that. Um, it's more in the sense of like, where do they live? What is this area like? And how does that fit the story? Mm-hmm. So you always want the external to match what the internal is. So is the struggle expansive? Do you want a lot of space? Or do you want it to feel very confined and very uh, claustrophobic? Mm-hmm. And so it's been playing with that. And I think it's definitely going to be kind of a smaller, almost Breaking Badish type area where it's city, but it's still got a lot of like desert to the edge of it and stuff like that. That kind of New Mexico feel. Nice. Um, Arizona type feel. Um, are, you, are you drawing from cities or places that you know well? West Texas, for the most part, that kind of definitely West Texas, where everybody knows kind of everybody's business in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like when a new person comes in town, um, everybody, everybody, everybody talks it, about notice. it, and then, like everybody knows there's a new family in town. Um, but it, it's been, you know, it's on top of that is also like you know character building, which is part of the world building, and who's going to be a featured character and who's going to be just a background character, who's going to be a supportive character, do and then you, so on and so forth. When developing character, do you write out their personal biography? If, or? It, dep- it depends how important to the show they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's somebody that's very intri- intricate to the show, then I, I will. Um, if they're not, then most likely when we cast, I would just expect probably the actors to come up. To help fill in those yeah, gaps. Yeah, fill those gaps if it's not a more intricate role or inte- inte- integral. 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 I know words. <laughs> He's a writer, folks. Thank He's you for listening to Hollywood Hustle Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but so you you do some of the background. Yeah, work, yeah. For the but, bigger characters, yeah, absolutely. But do you explore more of the character as you write the actual story, as you write the dialogue? Or? Absolutely. I mean, you're always going to find new things, especially when you cast the characters. You're going to find new things about them. You know, if you cast an actress that ends up being able to play the piano... Maybe you'll add that to the character that Mm -hmm. will surprise people that she can play classical piano or, you know, stuff like that, that kind of would add to the character down the road. Um, The main part I focus on is the backstory that's needed to not only write, but to sell the right. show of course um, so that that's the biggest thing I, I i probably focus on and then as we get closer if we got into you know actually casting and stuff like that then it'd probably get a little more detailed nice um stuff like that but so let me ask you when, you, when you're doing your rehearsal mm-hmm. um i know you've talked to me it's a it's a very emotional based um yes now you i don't want to get into too much uh um specifics because I, I don't want to call it any drama i know you've had you no have drama two, and acting you have two folks. different teachers Yes, and um, and I know that that's not that's sometimes been off putting in the sense of each has two different styles <laughs> in how they teach. How do you how do you um, handle that when, sure. when you know you have Monday you have this teacher and then Tuesday you have the other teacher? Right. Um, so for listeners who are just joining us, I'm currently studying Meisner here in Los Angeles, and I very much have like a mom and dad type of instructor panel, and that's kind of the relationship that I would. Say it like you get mom for the majority of the time, but then dad comes in, you know, every other week or so to check in to see how everyone's doing. Right. So it's a dad who's like a truck driver <laughs> out on the road. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or I guess you could maybe compare it more so to like a military sergeant right, in some go. ways. Um, but it's it's great because they both catch different things. Mm-hmm. But of course, there is that balance of sometimes I get used to performing for mom maybe. 
but more so, you know, and I get stuck in that, but then I'm, I maybe don't think of the notes that uh, my other instructor has given me. Right. And it, it has been a push and pull, and I think recently I've just been physically tired. I haven't been getting as much sleep, and that was bleeding into some of my work. Some of my emotional preparation was harder because I was just emotionally and physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a moment to check that. And once I started getting better sleep, mm-hmm. the work was better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, and it's also so nice because uh, one of the instructors, she's, she's normally the main one that's there. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to get that kind of fresh outside opinion from the other instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, he is kind of seeing the overall journey. He's not there for the day-to-day-to-day mm-hmm. uh, classwork. Um, so I've been really, really enjoying it. Um, emotional preparation, it's the essential thing that we as actors need to be able to do, especially for auditions. Uh, you, you're coming from work, you have you know, another audition to go to after this, you don't know the full story of this uh, project that you're auditioning for, but right. you have to be able to emotionally connect and to relate. Right, right, no, absolutely. To that story. So this work has been essential in me figuring out those tools mm-hmm. and finding what my strengths are and the things that I need to improve on. And so it's great now that we're getting back into, it's not scene work, it's not scene study. We're not doing like objectives or anything like that. It's still very much breaking on, or it's still very much focusing on what is this person doing and how do I feel about it and how to use the scene's text to say that. Mm, I gotcha. Okay. I, I, I think, yeah, I think when you are able to um, step away and get the rest you're, that's needed. Because I think sleep is that like basis. Like that's the floor yeah. of your life house. Like if you get that good sleep, the mm-hmm. rest of your day is a little easier to uh, travel. Through. Yeah, just on a primal level, mm-hmm. we need food, mm-hmm. we need water, and mm-hmm. we need sleep. There's one. We also need. What was the other thing? Laughter. No. Well, yes, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, engagement with others. Oh yeah, well relationships. Yes. Yeah, no, building that, building your tribe. Right, right. right? To get you the food. <laughs> <laughs> to get you the food and help you sleep. Exactly. <laughs> to sing and, me to sleep and make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I just do, I just do monk chants to get Mike to sleep. He exactly. calls me, puts me on speaker, and I'm just like, oh. ding, ding, ding. Yes, exactly. Musetahu. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, man. It seems like you're going through some really cool stuff and it, really kind of finding some new things about yourself as an actor. Oh, absolutely. That maybe you haven't known before. Yeah, well, or rather things that, not to say went stale, but it's, I needed to be challenged mm-hmm. and I am being challenged. It's really, really difficult work, but mm-hmm. that's when I know that I'm sharpening my tools. Nice. Very cool, man. Yeah. Um, so we've had some really great episodes. Yeah. Uh, the the past... last three series have been really different Mm -hmm. i think like three really different people um but with some similarities in the things they believe and and take on their journeys as actors and creators and uh, producers yeah well i mean they're all people that you could say all three of them were people who started off in one specific thing Mm -hmm. but as they their journey came to los angeles they blossomed into a new uh role or right. new, you know, new type of business mm-hmm. role. Um, and so it's just been so great hearing each of their journeys. And like you were saying, how similar they are. But of course, each one has their own unique perspective mm-hmm. as absolutely. well. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think they're, they're three different people. And I, as, as generic as that is to say, like you they feel... They are you, three people. Yeah, they are three different people. But you hear it 
very easily in the, the it's like conversation. They're, they're all having the same points in right a way. yeah they have a lot of the same points but just different ways of getting there different avenues of realizing it mm-hmm. and finding their path yeah um, and so we started off with Alyssa carter absolutely the uh, uh writer actor producer owner of cast and reels which um, is i i just have to say as an actor her website her the services that she's doing mm-hmm. is phenomenal no it, they they produce some really great stuff if you get a chance go to castandreels.com yeah. if you haven't just to check out some check of the out stuff their dramatic reel that they have just offering the different scenes that they've done for a few of their clients mm-hmm. it's for the level of quality that you'd be getting it's fantastic right so I think it's really interesting that they kind of, like you said, do say a lot of the same things and have a lot of the same points on things and perceptions on things, but they get there in different ways to their own journeys. Yes. You know, their paths are all different. Their jobs are all different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, there's definitely a lot of similarities in what they have to say. Oh, of course. And I mean, also something that I think speaks to all of them is the idea of identity. Mm-hmm. And so let's just start off. First with Alyssa Carter. Absolutely. The writer, director, producer, owner, and runner of Cast and Reels. Mm-hmm. Uh, castandreels.com. Check it out. They do some wonderful work for people. Yeah, this to is produce for, really great reels. Yeah, this is a service for actors. When you come down here, uh, agents and casting directors, they want to see uh, a video sampling of your work to gauge you as an actor, mm-hmm. to know what your work is, what your type is. And so Alyssa's company, they offer this service where, you know, for however many scenes you want to do, they will craft original content mm-hmm. that looks like it's from a movie or from a television show. Yeah, and they'll produce it if you want. Uh, they have several different packages. They have create your own stuff. If mm-hmm. you want a hair and makeup person or a composer, <laughs> they'll help you. They'll get that for you at a little extra charge. But their like their stuff is legit, like really produced really well. Um, and it looks like it came from some, a short film that you did with some really good equipment. But what's great though is that. She, of course, didn't know at the beginning of her journey that that's what she wanted. Absolutely. You know, she just thought that she was going to be this actress that moved down to L.A. Because she didn't go the traditional, like, straight to college Mm. route. You know, she did do uh, community college and she got the classes that she needed for that experience, which I thought was excellent advice. Mm. Sometimes you don't need to go into the full four years, the full four years, the four years of debt. Uh, rather just take the classes that you specifically need mm-hmm. to help your career and then go. Absolutely. I think that's one interesting path that you could take. No, I, yeah, and, and I think on that also is when she kind of did figure out what she wanted to do, she kind of realized she'd been doing it all her all life. Her life. <laughs> and like there's parts of her life, it was almost like seeing someone like on a television show where you see these flashbacks of them putting the pieces of the puzzle together of like a mystery yeah. of like her realizing, like, well, I, I was writing this and casting people back when I was a kid and I was doing this when I was in high school and, and it kind of all came together for her and it took a little bit of time for those pieces to come together and I like that a big focal point of her episodes was that it's okay to not know what you want to do right away. Absolutely. And it's okay to search and journey and give yourself time and the world does kind of pressure, you need to know before you get out of college what you need to do and it's okay not to. It's okay to like, I'm going to go try this and then I'm going to try this. You know, and, and that's that what being it's, young is about. Yeah, and that it's imp- important to know that if you have to leave Los Angeles for any reason, financially, you can't sustain your life for that this specific time, mm-hmm. it's okay to leave. And as you were saying, realize what it was that you could have done better. Mm-hmm. Recharge, regroup, and then come back. Yeah. And I think there that idea of like not feeling that sense of pressure mm-hmm. is really, really important because we, 
we're so trained to think like it's all happening now, it's all happening now. If I'm not here now, it will mm -hmm. never come. Mm -hmm. But no, it's all just a journey. Time will go on. And if you need to take a break, take a break. Well, you know, I think we talked a little bit about it on her um, episode, her part two, and we talked about it on the Team Hustle 3, but the things that like keep hold ourselves back, and one of the things I know we talked about was other people's successes tend to hold us back because we get upset or frustrated that we're not we're not able to post on Twitter. I got four auditions today and I just booked this and I booked this and all this stuff. And I think that it's, it's good to remember, like not everybody's journey is the same. It doesn't happen for everyone. You know, you're not, you're not getting the full story all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that are really important to remember, but it's also important to take charge. Oh, absolutely. I think, and something that she definitely did when she realized acting wasn't connecting with her in the way that it maybe used to, and she realized that casting and directing was something that she was always doing, rather than feeling stuck and just like, no, I have to stay just as an actor mm -hmm. or anything, she made that choice of like, I'm going to explore this other interest yeah, absolutely. that I have. And I also just really appreciated how... Um, you know, she she didn't hold back mm -hmm. on like some of her frustrations about the business mm -hmm. and stuff in in terms of sometimes having to deal with agents, which is something that we're going to talk yeah, about. Absolutely, uh, or working and, for an agent. Yeah, or working for an agent. Yeah, and dealing with those type of um, attitudes mm -hmm. sometimes. Especially people on set. Uh, I think a good line from the whole thing was, "Don't be a jerk." Yeah, just don't <laughs> be a jerk. <laughs> Apply that to your career and mantra life. And, and life. life. Yeah, don't don't be a jerk. A lot. Of things will come to you if you're just a nice person. Yeah, to and, people. And, and you know, her a lot of her stuff was about talking about how you act on set, you respect everyone on set, you do what you're there to do, you have a job to do that should be your focus. Mm -hmm. And but at the same time, don't miss opportunities to learn from those that are better than you. At the same time, so if somebody's willing to talk to you, talk to them, but don't bother them. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And then. It was kind of cool then to see her journey and compare that with Jazz. Mm, Jazz also, Trice. Jazz Trice, who uh, also works in casting. Now, mm -hmm. this was a very special interview for me because, as our listeners know, he was my first roommate here right. in Los Angeles. You guys were good friends up in Vacaville. Uh, yeah, or no, up in Davis. Davis. Yeah, we, went to, Sorry. Sorry. we went to UC Sorry. Davis together, um, and that's where we met, and we worked together on our student-run theater company, mm -hmm. and we collaborated a lot there. We acted together. And then when we came down here, he quickly realized his path called for a different... Because he came to be an actor as well, right? Yeah, he came uh, down here to be an actor and a writer, like maybe a writer's yeah. assistant. But it took that one audition for him to realize it wasn't for him anymore. Mm -hmm. And I respected so much of like his vulnerability to mm -hmm. be able to say, yes, this wasn't for me. But I knew that I still wanted to be involved. Right. And you know, for me, it was really interesting to hear him talk about like, kind of like that trial by fire of like getting a job where he was doing everything. Like it was just, he was a one man team Yeah, and he had to do everything and how he had to put it together. He had to produce it. He had to write the notes. He had to submit it. He had to do the interviews and like all the stuff he had to do that as you know, I'm sure, you know, he put it, it made him better. And you know, helped him learn. It sharpened his skills. Absolutely. He became a jack of all trades. Yeah, he's able to do everything now and teach people things mm -hmm. that maybe he picked up during that time. And he is also one of our, you know, I guess we could put in our within our podcast guests. He is one of our athletes. Yeah. Here on the podcast, and it's so interesting to hear. Like this was a guy who had you know the full ride package mm -hmm. uh, for his uh, work as a track and field star. Right. Um, you know, he was 
division athlete, breaking numerous uh, goals and everything. Mm -hmm. But it came to that push and pull moment of like, look, are you going to be this athlete? Are you going to do this thing that we keep asking you to do? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to do this other passion? Now, by goals, do you mean records? Records, yes. (laughs) Yes. You know sports. Exactly. I know (laughs) sport things. Football in basket. Yes. Uh, But I think it was really... Not everyone has that opportunity of knowing I have this full gift Mm -hmm. of being at university and having this um, backing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something that he has spent his whole life doing of Mm -hmm. working and working in this specific sport. And then to finally recognize, like, no, I'm done with this. Yeah. And to just, not to say blindly, but just to leap into the next thing that he, he knew he was passionate about. And then when he realized that that wasn't the thing he wanted, mm-hmm. he kept on going. He and kept think, on going. I, you know, I don't want to pass over that too easily. Like how big that is for as an actor to go, I don't want to do this and go behind the scenes mm-hmm. and do all the behind the scenes grunt work and build up from there. Again, pretty much from the beginning and learning the ropes of producing and, and especially reality show producing. And, you know, I think that's interesting where a lot of, actors have a hard time doing that going, you know, maybe this isn't acting's not what I'm supposed to do in this industry. What else can I do to still be a part of it? Well, but if you think about it though, in the role of casting and the work that jazz does, he is still very much interconnected with all of the other departments. But, but, but I'm yeah. talking like in the sense of oh. giving up being in front of the camera absolutely to go behind the scenes and probably not have as much recognition uh, generally yeah. as you would as like an actor I think it's the question of do you want to be a creator mm-hmm. do you want to be known for just being in things or mm-hmm. do you want to be known for creating right well I, but I think what I'm trying to go with is yeah. more like it's the ego like letting mm-hmm. letting go of that ego of I've got to be everything even in front of the camera and just going I'm going to take a back seat but still be able to, but I think that goes from the, the track and field being that team player which he talks about and I think he's like, I'm still a part of the team. Yeah. I'm still intricate to what's happening. And I think that's important to remember is that just if, if it doesn't work out in front of the camera, you can still find importance oh, somewhere else. Absolutely. And also within his work on intervention. Mm-hmm. And I never even thought about like on the casting side, like you're dealing with in reality TV, like you're dealing with people's lives. Real people. Yeah. And how hard it was for him to say no to turn people down to turn people down yeah that's that's got to be rough yeah well i think i found it so fascinating talking to him about like how he auditions people quote unquote or interviews people and that path of like well i just talk to them and try to bring out their self times 100 and like you know i take i hear and listen for certain things and then i just attach to that thing so like talk about the girlfriend well how long have your girl you and your girlfriend been together mm-hmm. oh eight years oh eight years that must be really tough you must have gotten a few fights yeah it's, yeah what was the biggest going fight to, yeah it's d- directing it towards the drama yeah what's the biggest fight bit. you ever had what was about this oh well how'd that end or who, who who won you know and stuff like that i found that so interesting and i think on top of that going with running like an audition room and how to handle dealing with people that either on the reality side or the you know narrative side as mm-hmm. well um, uh, and same thing, kind of Alyssa, Alyssa talked about, about this a little bit as well of, you know, how to treat the actors, how to, how to run a smooth room and make sure that everyone feels respected and understood and that everybody feels like their time is not being wasted. Yeah, absolutely. And what I also loved in his act two discussion was our just conversation, broader conversation of 
finding one's identity mm-hmm. within the arts. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's be- it's because you're an artist. You're interested in stories and creating. And I think we can all identify with a time in our place where we, ne- we found ourselves in a group of creative people, whether it was in a theater show or maybe you were in an art class, some kind of event that really helped us figure out, oh, I thought I was just an outsider, but now I found my community. Yeah, I think that's an ongoing theme I've noticed with our sh- with this show in general. Of the at least the part one interviews are very much about people finding their identities and finding who they are and what they want to do, and that realization of I want to move to Los Angeles. Yeah, I want to pursue or, this or that. I want to dye my hair wacky colors, right? Like yeah. Allie Williams. Allie Williams. <laughs> you know, I, you know, our, our next guest, professional cosplayer, actor, model. Uh, again, another entrepreneur, owner, yeah. yeah uh, princess and me parties. Uh, check her out; they're great stuff on there. I see pictures all the time of all the parties she's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the, I love the part where she talks about how she went in and was like, "You're not, you know, I I'm not like everybody else, and you need that. Mm-hmm. Like this, I know I don't look like every other actress you're gonna see, but that's something that's that's the good thing about me." Yeah, my favorite story of hers was talking about that Honda commercial mm-hmm. audition that she had where they they were looking for a professional balloon animal person and she only knew a few tricks. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to trying to learn how to make a million and one things, she went in and told a story mm-hmm. that was her mm-hmm. and shared herself. And while she was messing up on all of these balloon animals, they were captivated by her. Yeah. And it all just goes to show of just like really embracing yourself and being confident mm. in that. And also hearing her talking about so much as we as actors worry about changing our look. Mm-hmm. You know, for her, like she she went from blonde to redhead to now, you know, blue hair. Mm-hmm. And how, yes, throughout all of that, maybe the type of roles that she's been called in for kind of been different. Mm-hmm. But how at the same time... She's been playing elements of herself, like the bold, very confident, very, Mm -hmm. you know, those type of roles have stayed consistent. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay, like, yeah, you could sit by and play the same type of roles over and over and over. Or Mm -hmm. as an artist, do you want to try new things? Well, you know, I think think something that interesting was also about kind of talking about trying new things where she worked for another company that kind of does a little bit, not as much as what she does now. Or her company does, but she kind of got to a point where she wasn't happy. She felt like it wasn't being ran properly. And she went, I can do this better. And decided to just start her own company mm-hmm. and like took that leap and, you know, hired, started hiring people and doing things herself for a long time and built getting her own props. And <laughs> again, kind of like jazz where you're doing everything because it's got, you have to. Well, it's also, I mean, even further back to our guest, Eric Knight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to be that one-man team that just does everything. You just got to hustle, 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 hustle. Mm-hmm. So that should an opportunity uh, present itself where they need someone who can do any of these things, mm-hmm. you can do it all. You're ready. You're, You're ready, ready and you can represent yourself. Mm-hmm. You can be your own business. No, absolutely. And uh, yeah, her, her discussion I thought was really great this is of being positive and passionate and just having drive to do things and talking about the social media also was a really big aspect of that because uh, she has a crazy social media presence yeah she she's she knows so much about branding mm-hmm. and so it was just a fascinating conversation and 
I was kind of alluding to that a little bit of like, when is it okay to change your brand yeah. a little bit? Mm-hmm. And also engaging with the people who are fans of you. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've, I've watched some of her live Instagrams to kind of on, on the Hollywood Household podcast and mm-hmm. and, chat and just to, like just watching it. It's like it's so engaging, but it's like sometimes she, it's just her washing dishes, taking questions. And it's like that that's so awesome of giving people kind of an insight into your I'm a regular person yeah. who has to do dishes and has to do laundry. Well, it what's I find really interesting is that she has her fans as the people that hold her accountable. Mm-hmm. Just like you are the person, Daniel, that holds me accountable for Absolutely. all of my creative endeavors. And your life. And my life. <laughs> <laughs> and my cat. And your cat. <laughs> but she... Conan. Conan. Uh, she uses her fans as that support. Yeah. And I think that creates a much more genuine bond. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, you I know, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think one of the things I love about this show um, is that, I, 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 this is me patting myself on the back and, and patting you on the back, <laughs> is that we, I think we've done a really good job of getting a variety of people on this show. And I think that was one of the most important things when we started talking about actually doing this for us, was like, let's make sure it's not always actors. Or if they are actors, they're doing other things that are interesting that we can talk about. And it's, you know, you hear these stories, it's just, it's just exciting. It's exciting to see so much creativity going on and people finding their own paths. And, and so much change yeah. as well. Like, it is clear that we are in this moment right now in entertainment culture and everything mm-hmm. where it's all fluid. Mm-hmm. To be an actor is also to be a writer or to be a filmmaker is to also be a casting director. Um, I think it is so interesting how we just have this fluidity kind of going on right now in the business. Mm-hmm. And also learning to accept that, again, if you hold yourself to one, only do fitting yourself in one box, I am only this. Right. How limiting that can really be in this town. Right, absolutely. And I think coming up, again, we have some varying different groups coming in. We have a production company coming up, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll talk more later on about. We have... A five-year-old actress coming up <laughs> who, I, who was in a big major motion yeah, picture big, earlier yeah. this year, and so I mean, talk about different. And then after that, we have an a, an actor that doesn't even live in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and so I think we have some really great stuff coming up that's just as exciting and different, and and with completely different stories. Absolutely. Now, listeners, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our interviews with Alyssa Carter, Jazz Trice, and Allie Williams. Please, you know, go to our Stitchers or our iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts and check out their interviews and let us know your thoughts and your insights and the conversations uh, that we have with them. Uh, You can always email your thoughts to us, hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at LA Hustlecast and also Instagram and Facebook at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Now, um, this is Team Hustle. Yes, so right? that means we have a theme. We have a theme. And we also have our other team, Hustler. Mm. Um, or uh, You introduce her. I'm going to give some music. We are so excited to bring to you to the podcast, returning again for another Team Hustle episode. Katra, Parkman, Parkman, Parkman. Katra Parkman is here. Here, here. That was by far the best intro I've ever gotten in my <laughs> life. So thank you for that. Everybody's like, that's not how the Game of Thrones theme goes. That's how my Game of Thrones theme goes. Man. What? Katra is it? coming. Katra is coming. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, Kedra. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. So we're 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 gonna talk about the best part of, of the industry, I think, that people don't ask questions about at all and really don't care about, agents and managers. Wow, yes, the unexplored topic. <laughs> the unexplored yes. topic that is not asked about anybody at all times. Oh, you have an agent? How did how did that happen? <laughs> yes. Now, to address what is an agent or a manager, I think some of our listeners, they might not know how the industry works. Absolutely. So maybe we can just real quickly define those roles. Well, you know, it's funny because I was doing a lot of research about this before because I just want to make sure I was concise on exactly the differences. I've had an agent. I haven't had a manager. But in all the reading I've in all the reading I've read, um, <laughs> it's really similar now. It's not as different as it used to be. And now, um, agent, the biggest difference is law. Agents are bound by more restriction, law restrictions than managers. That's a lot of the biggest differences between the two because managers can work from anywhere, they can ask for any amount of money, and they can also produce their artist projects, whereas agents have to work out of an office, they have to be licensed and registered. By SAG, which by, is the Screen Actors Guild. And by the state mm. as well. They cannot produce their pro, uh, their uh, uh, anybody their age they're working with their projects, and they have to uh, can only take a certain percentage. They cannot take any more or less. Mm -hmm. And so, but in the end, nowadays managers and agents actually do a lot more. It's kind of like having a super agent team uh, where one's not as constricted as the other. Yeah, typically. As an actor, you want to have both a manager and an mm -hmm. agent. You want as many people on your team as possible. And with an agent, you can also get various different kinds. There's one that you can get for theatrical representation. And when I say theatrical, I don't mean theater. Mm -hmm. I mean film and television. Mm -hmm. You can also have a commercial mm -hmm. agent, which is someone who submits you for commercials. Yeah. Um, and then you can have a theatrical agent and that the does plays and other stuff. Yeah, well, that, that would be like more regional theater. In New York. Or, um, or in New York. If you're and there's New York. also agencies specifically for voiceover and mm. for modeling, and it just goes, goes on, on and on and on. And on. Yeah. Whereas with managers and Katra, you can probably um, define this better if I, if I lose it, if I don't define it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But managers can take a more, they sometimes take fewer clients. Yes. Mm -hmm but they can be more specific about how they work. They can develop that mm -hmm. talent more. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, managers tend to uh, want to focus on the career journey and like the long game of a client. That's why they take on less people versus, and this is not obviously for every single person out there, but agents tend to be more clients, more on getting the auditions and the bookings and dealing with the contracts. Um, there's a lot of legal stuff and the agents tend to be the ones who handle that. So when you have a team, um, usually they kind of um, they divvy out their kind of tasks. Mm -hmm. So like you know, they both get breakdowns. They both submit the actor um, for auditions, and then depending on you know who has what job, you know, someone takes control of the contracts. Someone takes control of like giving feedback from the casting directors back to the talent. You know, it's it's a case by case basis, but that tends to be what it is. No, absolutely. Yeah, and there's also different levels of agents and managers mm -hmm. throughout the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have CAA or um, what? Are, what's one of the other? Well, top? there's there's boutique, which would be like the smaller agencies. Though you know, CAA, those kinds of things would be corporate. Like mm -hmm. the huge, the power super agent company. They, they typically rep A-list celebrities and people who are at the top of the industry. And then, yeah, there's like an A, B, and C level. A would be the CAA. Um, 
the like I'm trying to even think I'm blanking uh, there's kind of like a Abram a, Abram's artist that's more of like a top B level so there's there's kind of a gray area where it kind of transitions from A list to having an agency that's so big that, that they have both A list clients and people who are just consistently working actors mm -hmm. so like Abram's artist agency would be like the top of B like mm -hmm. going into the A a list uh, category like innovative artists um they there's uh like um oh my gosh there's so many like coast to coast uh, coast to coast mm. yeah uh osbrink for the for the kids and teens um i mean you uh, any google search will bring up yeah. these people yeah. well you know um one you know I, I have a list here there's boutique um, which is the smaller agencies by coastal, which is the one the coast to coast kind of agent that co they have offices on both ends. Right. Um, mid sized corporate, which is the ones that right up below like CAA that middle ground you're talking about, and yeah. then the corporate, which would be the bigger CAA. Now, one thing that you know, if you're considering coming to this town, and you know, you don't always necessarily want to start off at an A list agency like a CAA or something mm -hmm. like that. You might think like, oh, well. My favorite actor is rep by that company. Well, you have to think you would be in the company of the top A-list actors. Mm -hmm. You know, you if you don't have that many credits, you're not going to be getting that much work with that type of agency. Yeah. You're they, not going to get in the door of that agency. You're, no. I'm exactly. Gonna be honest with you. <laughs> Whereas if you go with a more you know boutique or a smaller agency, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that your talent is any less or anything like that. They are actually going to work you more. They're going to send you out more. Mm -hmm. So don't think when we say A, B, or C, that means any uh, degree of talent. Right. I think one of the best examples of this, if you've seen the movie That Thing You Do, um, where when the Oneiders <laughs> um, get their first manager, he works out of like a trailer. He's very small time. He's regional. He helps them get started. But then Tom Hanks comes in and basically buys their contract from him. And he's the bigger CAA type agent so you have like that small time that gets you to a certain place and eventually you kind of have to you have to move on to someone that can get you to the bigger get you to the next phase of your career um one of the biggest things you go that people get asked constantly is how do you get an agent it's in every book it's in every uh there's an article on it, every entertainment website every podcast has it um, so, you know, the, the, there's several ways to get an agent. Um, I think the number one way that you hear from most people is know someone that has an agent. Uh, referrals. Yeah, yes. referrals, referrals is, is the one. biggest way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's been my experience mm -hmm. uh, when I've had representation is typically I've known someone who was represented by this agency or this manager. And you, you do the email or you call the office and you set up a meeting. Uh, sometimes it might be a Skype interview because um, I had a manager at one time that she was not based in LA. She was actually based in New Jersey, mm -hmm. but she repped uh, talent uh, by Coastly. And so, you know, and that required not only an interview, but I also did a cold copy of some commercial um, as well as a dramatic monologue. And then we had further discussions. And then once, you know, I signed with her and everything, found out that she did have an assistant that was based in LA. Mm -hmm. And that was the person that I would be coordinating with in terms of booking auditions and things like that. Um, or, you know, you might know someone like, hey, Katra <laughs> is represented by so-and-so agency. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they, if they know that their agency is looking for newer talent mm -hmm. or something, you can always, you know, ask your friend 
I, I wouldn't ask anyone on the street to just, oh yeah, hey you, you got an agent? Yeah, refer me to them. Who's my headshot? <laughs> Who's my headshot on website? Exactly. Um, but typically the best type of thing is if they know you and they can vouch for your quality of work, mm-hmm. that speaks volumes than just a cold email. Absolutely. I think it, it, it definitely takes someone that knows you because they don't know you. They don't know if you're one trustworthy, if you're hardworking, um, and what you've done before. So having someone coming, hey, this guy really wants it. He's hustling and he's making it. And I think he'd be really good in this group. Then they're more willing to have at least meet with you. Um, and again, there's, there's several reasons also. I have, you know, They may already have your type mm-hmm. and managing three other people that look just like you. And they already have enough trouble getting all of them work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, another way is inquiries. Um, you know, it, do you want to kind of Katra, can I explain what inquiries are? Meaning like submissions? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, of course, as with anything, you can just email people. If you go on <laughs> IMDb Pro, um, most agencies and managers have their emails and phone numbers listed. Um, it's not on public IMDb, it's on IMDb Pro, which is a paid-for service. Mm-hmm. And um, you can either, I mean, if if you have that kind of gusto, you can just straight up call them. Um, that You take a little bit of a risk doing that mm-hmm. because sometimes an assistant or the receptionist picks up, picks up and they kind of want to vet you before they put you through. So you have to kind of jump through a couple more hoops with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to do that, make sure you have kind of a mini pitch for yourself and are maybe have it written down in front of you so you don't stumble and sound ridiculous. Um, but as far as the email route, you can um, basically pitch yourself. So that means different things for different people, but it's mostly in a succinct way uh, showing your best career wins and highlights uh, so far or recently, you know, include a few headshots and like maybe a link to your website or reel, but make it easy for them to be able to read quickly and kind of glance over without it being too jumbled and crazy. Um, for a brief period of time, I was interning at a management company and I was looking at the submissions being sent to us and nine times out of 10, they were very unprofessionally written um, spelling errors, grammar mistakes, no capitalization, um, really bad, <laughs> slash they went on for like Lord of the Rings style novel length where I couldn't even get through the whole email because it was too long. I have the one talent to rule them all. <laughs> one page. One page. <laughs> don't, and even don't fill the whole page. No, it's, and not only that, but sometimes people would attach like 10 headshots. Absolutely do not do that. Yeah. Like maybe one or two. <laughs> like actually. Here's me as, a, as an ambulance driver. And here's me as a barbarian. Yeah. It's so succinct. Pitch yourself in the best light as possible and kind of leave it at that. And the most important thing is follow up, which is, you know, give it a few days. If you don't hear a response, follow up. You know, a lot of the times your email just gets lost in their inbox. Well, I think um, a, a, a podcast I listen to a lot, and I know I think Mike's listened to a few episodes. Um, is called uh, "Children of Tandu," and one of the they have an episode where the, they talk to one of the guy's former agents, and he kind of goes through his daily routine. How that man gets any sleep is is, is fascinating because his day is so busy, just constantly calls, calls driving around lunches, meetings, calls, meetings, calls. I finally get to go home at 11 at night. And so they don't have a lot of time. So like Kitch said, she's going to probably vet a lot of that out because they're, you know, if they're going to spend their time looking at it, it needs to be something pretty good. And then they only honestly are maybe going to read the first paragraph 
of what yep. they give them. And on top of that, definitely send a DVD, but it also helps to have a link to something so they can just click and push play. Uh, and again, they probably will only watch the first 30 seconds to a minute of it. It's interesting that you say send a DVD. Katra, I don't know, what do people still do physical packages mailing out to agencies? Because when I first moved down here to LA, that was back in 2012, we were still mailing out packets. Through 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 Pony Express? <laughs> through Pony Express, <laughs> or giving it mine to pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and you would include, obviously, a headshot, a cover letter, a DVD, if you had a reel. Um, but now things have, in the past, like, three years, I, I really want to say, like, really shifted to just digital. Yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't waste your time sending hard copy submissions anymore, honestly. From the people I've talked to who are representation, they do not look at them. What you can do instead is if you've already like emailed and called them and you really just, I don't know, like maybe it's a referral and for some reason they haven't got back to you, but like their client has referred you, you could always just like, um, you could put together a hard copy submission, but drop it off in person to like security or whatever with a post-it and just be like, you know, this is for so-and-so specifically referred by this client and make sure it gets delivered to them by hand that day. Mm -hmm. Instead of sending it through the mail and it gets sent and it gets thrown in a pile with a thousand other things and never gets mm -hmm. seen, you know, make sure they know it's time sensitive. Um, it takes a little bit more effort to do that. I don't necessarily think you have to do that for every occasion, but if it's important that they really see this, then yeah, you could do that, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I think kind of going off that is it's important to do your research. Yeah. So research the the agents at these companies and see who they're repping. And That's the do, big thing. Kind of going back to do they already have your type? Yes. So you look and go, oh, they're repping these people, but they don't have a guy with a nose ring and tattoos all over his body and that could play you know all these parts on TV and stuff like that. So maybe I should contact that guy. Or this guy focuses a lot on sci-fi. I'm not really the sci-fi kind of actor. Maybe that may not be the best bet. Well, I think it's also a you know throwback quote to our first interview with Kurt Mega. Be the solution. Mm -hmm. Research that agency and or management company. Look at their roster, and if you see a you know a hole in which you could fill that spot, you know I I'll use my my line because I am the the nerdy best friend with the secret. Like mm -hmm. look in that roster if like there's no one that maybe fits that specific. Is that secret Dove body spray? Yes, exactly. <laughs> But then maybe that could be my opening line of mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm looking at your roster. I see that you're missing this and right. I can be your solution. Absolutely. And, and I think something like that, of, of not approaching to them like, I really want you to be my agent. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm so desperate. As opposed to, hey, I, I could provide this solution Absolutely. to you. And also seeing what type of work their clients book. Mm -hmm. And this goes for also if you're looking for a literary agent, if you're a screenwriter or in that kind of world, you know, look in, when you're when you are approaching an agent, make sure you know what do they sell? Do they sell animated? Do they sell sci-fi? Do they sell action adventure? What is their focus? Because each agent specifically targets certain genres a lot of times. So bringing up now, because uh, obviously we were just speaking about actors yeah. uh, generally, but being a writer. Um, what type of package would you need to submit then uh, for representation? Uh, you know, it, it's a, a lot of it's very similar. It's it again can be a lot of who you know. Getting someone to like, hey, I have a friend who's a writer and he's just as good as me. And I, you know, I think if you look look at some of the stuff, you know, a lot of times in especially in the agent world, the assistant is your best friend. Um, if you can make the assistant happy and get to the assistant, 
you'll usually get to the agent. So, um, you know, that, that's the person you really want to aim for, especially because the assistant will usually become an agent themselves. Um, and so a lot of times you want to, if you know someone who's an assistant at um, an agency or a friend of a friend that knows someone, you want to go, hey, hey, can you read my friend's script? Maybe take it to your boss. Um, the other side is you send an inquiry that just has a description of what you're working on. So if you're working on a sci-fi dystopian western with aliens and fairies, then you write uh, some sort of small paragraph that explains what that is and you send it off and go, I'd love, if you're interested, I'd love to send you the script. And a lot of times they'll tell, oh, send me like the first five pages or send me the whole thing and they'll probably read the first five pages. And that's, that's just kind of how it goes. They, you, don't, you don't just send a script. Do not, they don't want anything unsolicited. It has to be solicited um, for legal reasons because um, you also probably, I'm sure you have to sign some kind of documents and stuff when they do that. Um, but that they'll read the first five paragraphs and so, or the first five, first five pages. So anything you write, your intro needs to be strong. It needs to hook them. Um, if you're opening with eight pages of description, unless you are the best descriptive writer known to man that can just engage people with descriptions. Um, hi, I, I am really good with description. Mm, yeah, I know. I've read your 160 page description yeah. book. Unless you're Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, unless you're Stephen no. King. Yeah, don't do it. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's got to be engaging. You've got to hook them right away and know who, know who the agent is, know what they're looking for. But I, I would also urge, know what your specific, again, just like an actor, know what your type is. Mm. If you're going to someone who uh, focuses on a lot of young adult um, fiction per se maybe you don't need to approach them with your uh, World War II well, it goes uh, hand in hand yeah, yeah don't yeah if you if you know they do sci-fi don't give them the family drama that set in Croatia you know like that they're not okay um, and another thing nowadays they want original stuff um, the idea of spec scripts is kind of lost now they don't most especially showrunners and things like that want to see you and what you can do. Now, they may request something afterwards, like, can you write an episode of the show so I can see if you can get the voices? So you may want to have that on hand. But submit original stuff. Plays are really big now. They love to see, like, they love to read just something different that's not another Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, spec script or another, you know, modern family spec script. Um, that's, uh, you know, the spec scripts nowadays are really for like contests and fellowships more than anything. Um, the rest is all original. Now, you were just talking about plays, swinging mm -hmm. it back over to the actor side of things. One of the things that you can do, you know, as you're submit sending out submissions for representation, one of the uh, ideas I've heard and I've definitely done uh, during my time here is invite uh, the agent or their assistant to a show that you're in. Mm. If you're doing a theater uh, show here in LA, invite that person. Mm. Even, you know, know, know the quality of the show, obviously, that you're doing. <laughs> you know, if you're performing in a meatpacking uh, room, <laughs> might not be the space that they would want to be in. I'm very curious about this play. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> that's done in a meatpacking room. Exactly. But, you know, there's a lot of great 99 seat theaters out here in LA and that is where a lot of the writers are testing out their work as playwrights but also for actors I would say that's some of the best kind of film training you can almost do because 
the audience is so close in such an intimate setting that you can't put on a quote unquote grand performance. Mm -hmm. It's very real. And so this is a way that you could not only invite agents or managers, casting directors, mm -hmm. and all of their assistants mm -hmm. to come see the show. And, uh, you know, here's two comps for my show. Mm -hmm. uh, please let me know when you'd like to come. Mm -hmm. uh, that is always a good way to invite them to see you work and rather than just like, here's a cover letter and a headshot. And I think that goes the same with film also. If you have a short film screening somewhere that you can get tickets for them for like maybe invite them to your short film if you feel like it, your work is strong enough in it mm -hmm. and you feel like it's a good thing to present you it gets them to see you it gets them hopefully interested you know um, I think those are really good ways uh, definitely to get someone to see you and just really quickly to add to that about inviting people is I've heard of this personally from people I know who work in casting that they go to 99 seat theater shows and short film screenings and that sort of thing on their own time and a lot of the time they will even call actors in to audition for things regardless of whether or not they have representation like if they really see someone that's like you know they love and they love how their talent and their type and that sort of thing they'll keep them in mind and you know figure out how to contact them and if if it calls for it they'll sometimes you know bring those actors in for co-stars and guest stars on you know tv shows and whatever and mm -hmm. it's possible it's not the most common thing but it's definitely possible and it does happen that's awesome would you Katra? uh I, I had a meeting with a commercial agent recently where uh, they were very much like, don't do theater, uh, simply do, you know, commercial classes, you know, pushing that side of things. Don't invite me to see theater. Yeah, that's for commercial casting. Yeah, and, I, I and so I would definitely <laughs> say, advise, like, don't invite every uh, no. agent. Know the specific purpose yes. for it. Is it to, you know, if, if you're trying to seek dramatic uh, theatrical representation, then yes, invite them to this gritty uh, one-hour drama that you're doing mm -hmm. uh, in along Santa Monica Boulevard in a black box theater. But if you're trying to get a commercial representation where they wanted you to just simply be happy and be the most happy you, that might not be the venue to invite them to. Mm -hmm. No, I, I don't even think it's... Um, in my opinion, I don't think it's quite necessary to invite commercial casting directors or commercial agents to anything. It's, it's much easier to get in the door with those people um, just by emailing them and being yourself. Um, and they're even, oh my gosh, they're some of the busiest people I've ever met. Um, it's very unlikely that they'll come to things. It's, po it's possible if you know them and maybe you're kind of friends. Um, but, like, but Michael's right. It, it, know, know the genre, for sure. <laughs> and... Um, it, yeah, you don't um, have to do theater. I mean, it's a wonderful resource, and if that's something that your heart calls to and it can really help you in your craft and feeling more comfortable, absolutely do it. But you can do the same exact thing with indie films, short films, student films, that sort of thing. So, so Michael, you brought, kind of brought it up. Let's kind of talk about our individual experiences. I know you've had two different agents, mm -hmm. um, since I've known you at least. Yeah. Um, kind of go through getting those and kind of how each one was different, how they worked, each of them worked maybe, and then kind of what you know, how it was working with each one. Sure. Um, so I've had uh, a manager and an agent. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of speak to having both sides of that representation. Uh, the first I had was a manager. And it's going to be a bit of a long story, but I, I, I promise it's a good one. So when I first moved down, I put out the word of just when I knew I was moving down to L.A., went on Facebook and just put out that blatant like, hey, guys, I'm moving to Los Angeles. One of the things that I'll need to help advance my career is an agent. If you know anyone involved in the industry, 
that I could just speak with or anything, but I really appreciate it. One of my really good friends from high school, his mom, uh, you know, was friends with me on Facebook, found out that one of her close friends from elementary school is now an agent. And so through a long series of messages and everything, we got in contact and that was the uh, audition via Skype that mm -hmm. I had. And we, we had an immediate connection. We understood each other's style and she kind of saw where I could grow. And I would definitely say our time together was very de developmental. I would say in hindsight, I wasn't ready for representation, which is something I would advise certain actors to really think about when you move down here. When, you, when, you're, when you're fresh off the boat, you might not be ready for an agent or a manager right away. You don't want to spend the first few months of your time with them hustling to get work for them in order to submit you. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to already have a reel ready. You want to have the LA headshots. You might have gotten some nice headshots from your local photographer in your hometown, but guess what? They're not what the industry is maybe looking for mm -hmm. or up to industry standards. So I would say at the first year that I had my manager, I was working so hard to just make sure I had the materials available for her to submit me. So, you know, but then eventually when I did have that, uh, we had a really good rapport. I would invite her to shows that I was doing because she was based on the East Coast. She would sometimes either send her assistant or people that she knew to see my show. So it was a very good relationship. However, her management company more so specialized in kids mm -hmm. and child talent. And so she was looking to expand for some younger adults. And so there was that adjustment period as well of like, you know, trying to find each other's balance. And it's also, you want to make sure that you're very explicit in the type of work that you do and that you don't do. Um, we would have occasionally some mix-ups of like musical theater. I've grown up doing musical theater, but that's not the avenue I'm trying to pursue here in L.A., and I did have some auditions where, you know, I would go in and do my, my best uh, song that I could do. Mm -hmm. But that's not benefiting me. That's not benefiting the casting director. And that's not also benefiting my representation. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually it came to a point where I felt like I needed to grow. I felt like I'd, I'd grown as much as I could. And we, we parted on really good terms. We actually send emails to each other occasionally, just letting each other know what we're up to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my agent that I then got not too long after, I, I kind of told myself, like, I'm going to take control of my own career. I booked a spot uh, with an investigation discovery. And then next week later, I got an inquiry on L.A. casting from a brand new agency. And... If you are on Actors Access or LA Casting, you'll sometimes get these just like query messages from agents saying, hey, I looked at your profile. Uh, we'd re be really interested in representing you commercially mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, and follow up on those. Do your research. Um, but this was a new agency that reached out to me. Um, I know that you had also been with them briefly, Daniel, yeah. and you'll get to have... I was the one that told them about you. Yeah, yeah, you referred me. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Thanks. And so they were a brand new agency, so much as uh, a smaller roster, which is rare sometimes to have with an agency. And we met, and the agent that I had, like, I thought she was a wonderful person. Again, she understood my type and where we felt that I should go. But earlier you were talking about know who the assistant is 
and know their relationship as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I found that I was oftentimes being repped by the assistant and not the agent. I think she dealt more so with the female talent and he dealt with more of the men. Mm -hmm. And that's where it became a little muddy. Issues started to arise. Issues. Um, You know, one of the common phrases, like, if ever you hear someone, like, you go into a meeting and they say, oh, you need to get headshots, I'll do your headshots for you, um, you know, for this much. Run away. You know, any (laughs) or any type of representation that says, oh, I'll offer you representation for a monthly price, Mm -hmm. um, run away. Mm -hmm. That's a scam. You you do not need to pay a monthly fee for yeah. an agent. If anybody reaches out to you with you know wants to looking to rep you, always type in Google scam and then the agency's <laughs> name. Um, you will quickly find out if they're legit or not. Yeah, very quickly. And and not to say that this agency was they weren't by any means. No, not at all. But this assistant very much was. You know, he offered me free headshots. I took him up on the offer, but then there was expected payment. At the end, and so it, yeah. as soon as that happened, it um, there was a lot of bait and switching that went on. It was, and unfortunately, as soon as that happened, it muddied the relationship a little bit mm-hmm. because when you pay your representation is when hopefully they book you an audition, you book the part, and they get a commission based off of that. Mm-hmm. But any time of money. Uh, it, it becomes very wary. They can refer you to photographers, certainly, but that you don't have to sign with that photographer, let alone the assistant in the room. Because yeah. it's a weird power dynamic. Um, so eventually, just due to certain communication issues and things like that, I eventually decided that wasn't the best place for me. Well, one thing I noticed is because I talked to you a lot during, mm-hmm. obviously, we've been friends for a while, so I talked to you a lot during this time. One of the things and uh, that to me always felt weird because I kind of dropped out pretty quick out of that because I started going more into writing and stuff like that. Well, and this was also around the time that Nolan was yeah, starting yeah, to come into yeah, the picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the things I noticed was like it seemed like if you didn't get the headshots from him, that you probably didn't get submitted as much. And if you got headshots from someone else, he would find reasons why those headshots weren't good yeah. enough to submit and he'd kind of show he'd even say like you should have gotten them from me well the, in the, some ways the, uh, any talent agent can run a talent report uh which is generally just a list of all the things that they've submitted you on you can mm-hmm. normally see what headshot they submitted you mm-hmm. with and i kept noticing they were all the ones that he would take and mm-hmm. none of the new ones mm-hmm. that i had brought in brought in from yeah. a different photographer so again it's all about communication research 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 and, you know, it's, it's as much of an interview for them to be your agent as it is for you to be one of their clients. Well, another, another thing, I'm, and I, this is, again, just for me, I remember um, you telling me at one point you had set aside comps for a play you were in several times. And he kept saying, I'm coming, I'm coming. And you was ever, you, I think at least two or three times, you, three said, times yeah, yeah. you set aside comps and he didn't show up or tell you he wasn't going to show up those, all three times. And then I believe you bought tickets yeah. for him for a, cause it was, said, it was our def- closing night yeah, performance. And you had and, to buy the tickets and you're uh, like, I'm definitely coming. And he still didn't show yeah, up. Yeah. I, I had asked the producer of the show I was in like, Hey, my agent's assistant is going to come this time. It's, I know it's closing night. Is there any way I could get a comp? But we needed money mm-hmm. at that point. And yeah. so I paid for tickets that were never, uh, yeah. re- you know, utilized. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, 
I'm, I'm happy that I've had those experiences because those have been experiences to learn and grow and to learn what I like, mm-hmm. know what's good, what's not good mm-hmm. in a way of, in terms of having an appropriate uh, relationship mm-hmm. with your representation. I've heard so many of our guests already talk about like uh, John Christie, him and his manager, they're, 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 they work together. They have a really good re- personal relationship. Very personal. They're friends. And, that, and that's ultimately the relationship I'd love to have. Absolutely. Uh, with future representation, but Katra, I'd love to switch it on over to you. I know you're an act, you're an actor as well. I am. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So, okay, my journey with representation. Um, so, I mean, when I first started doing the acting thing at twelve, um, I had no idea how any part of the industry worked, and nor did my parents. So, I remember putting together hard copy submissions and sending it to like. William Morris and Toby. Because <laughs> you, like, you grew up in the OC. I right? did. Yeah. I did. So that was funny. Dear um, Mr. Morrison. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Um, and had, like, a really, like, nice crafted um, cover letter. And it just got sent right back to me being, like, no solicitation, basically. Um, oh, they didn't even do, like, a fake uh, a fake email. Like, I'm, I'm no. surprprised they did the work to send it back. I, no, I just, like, they have a thing at their office where all mail just gets immediately bounced back, oh, basically. Wow. Anyways, so that was kind of my first experience with that. But when I um, when I was sixteen, I did one of those cattle call showcases mm. uh, again because I didn't know what I was doing, and um, you know one of the ones where there's like forty five agents and managers there and like three thousand people who show up, mm. and by some miracle. I got through the monologue portion to the part where you get to perform on the main stage and there's only like 100 out of like the 3,000 people pick to do that. So I got picked to do that and then I got to like the final callbacks and um, the first time around I didn't get any any hits from any of the managers uh, or agents. And because I'm stubborn I went back again the next year and did the same thing all over again, the whole same cattle call. And I actually got three callbacks from three different agents. Um, and one of them ended up actually representing me, which is, I'm like one of the like 15 people that actually get anything out of these, you know, yeah. basically scams. Um, and so I ended up being wrapped by them and they were a completely reputable agency actually. I mean, um, wonderful people. I was across the board youth because I was only like 16, 17 at the time. And um, I mostly went out for commercials here and there. I was in high school at the time, so I really didn't have a lot of availability. availability. <laughs> so like once every couple of months, I'd have like a commercial audition and like maybe kind of like a big student film audition every couple of months. And that was basically it. Um, I got a few callbacks for commercials. Um, it was it kind of left it at that. Then I graduated high school and was able to go out a little bit more. It was still mostly only commercials, though, because of my kind of newness to the industry, they couldn't really get me in rooms theatrically. Um, so I, um, all that time, I was represented for, from um, age 16 till actually the mid last year. So it was several years I was with this agency. And um, I only booked one thing, I booked a commercial. Um, but everything else that's on my resume was created by myself. Like I got that on my own accord without an agent. Um, and then after I, we, we parted on very good terms. It was mostly because I was phasing out of the youth department and it was across the board. And I just, there needed to be a kind of a, a shift in how I was working and approaching my career. And it just, we weren't in line with that. Love them still. I still talk to them. It's just wasn't the right fit at this time in my life. 
So I, I left them um, fall of last year, so 2016, and I sort of trialed with another commercial agent, didn't really work out for several reasons, and then I kind of, the last couple months I've been trialing, which to expand what that means, it's like a lot of the times managers will kind of just test you out to see if it works, so they won't sign you or make you sign any paperwork, but they kind of uh, freelance you. So like they'll kind of send you on an audition here and there and just see what sticks. Um, I've done that with a couple of managers that aren't local to LA and it hasn't worked out because they're not based in LA and they just have no pull mm -hmm. and they're so low on the totem pole. It's just like they were getting me auditions that I could get myself on cast and Hollywood casting and film and actors access. Mm -hmm. So it, as to not waste their time, I've, I made the decision to part ways because it wasn't what I was going for. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where I am. I have a commercial rep now who's great and um, no theatrical rep. I'm kind of been in the search for that for this year and you know um that's that's it that's really my only experience with that one agency mm -hmm. uh, i was gonna say something that's very important that you said though is that you were still submitting yes because my my journey is very similar in that i've had <laughs> representation but the majority of everything that i've booked was all stuff that i still submitted for myself yes. so even when you get representation continue to submit you you'll only know that you're being submitted if you're the one that's doing it. Absolutely. I was actually about to say the same thing. You still have to do hard work. Like you still have to oh, work. Yes. Um, and it don't think I have an agent now. I can sit back and wait Absolutely for those not. roles to come in. You know, you need to keep submitting <laughs> yourself. Keep, you know, keep in contact with your agent. I think Michael, you mentioned communication with your agents important. Find out if you're not getting hearing from them, ask them why, what, what do they need that they don't have to get you into rooms? You know, uh, Katra, I don't know if any of your past representation has done this. I've always heard about agents calling the actor back after an audition like with the criticism that they might have received from mm -hmm. the casting office. I've never had that. Have you? Me neither. That's never once happened to me. Um, I mean, like twice long time ago when I was in like the final callbacks for a few commercials, I got just like very short positive feedback being like, they liked this, like come in wearing this and just do the same exact thing. It was just basically a reminder to just do exactly what I did in the audition. So it wasn't really critique, um, but I wasn't going out enough theatrically for that to even be a thing. Commercially, they mm -hmm. don't really do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, I think that's maybe more so managers might have more yeah. of that pull because mm -hmm. again, managers are more, they have a fewer clients, so they're more mm -hmm. uh, invested in you because they have fewer clients and so they might have that pull more so with the casting office. Mm -hmm. than, Agents, you could be one of hundreds mm -hmm. that yes. they have. Um, so ju just know that. But I've always wanted to know. I've always wanted to know. <laughs> and, and, and when you get a meeting with an agent or a manager, make sure you're prepared. Um, have questions ready. Uh, ask them everything you feel you need to know about them and what they're going to do for you. Um, ask them what they need from you. Make sure it's it's a relationship that's going to work. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I was saying that point earlier of like making sure it's not only them interviewing you, it's you interviewing them mm -hmm. because this these are going to be the people working for you. They represent you. They represent you, and that you know they're going to be the ones that are submitting you for projects, and you want to make sure that you're in line, mm -hmm. that they see you as the same character type that you see yourself, and you also. And I know we've already talked on this podcast about. Um, I know we've already talked on this podcast about being honest with your character type. Mm -hmm. Don't go in there thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm the next Russell Crowe." Mm -hmm. 
But then they see you as, yeah, but... Really? That's where you go? I'm the next Russell Crowe. <laughs> I'm the next so Russell Crowe. <laughs> or, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the jock. I'm the next Polly Shore. I'm the next Polly Shore. I mean, we all need another Polly Shore. <laughs> <laughs> it's the squirt Earl. No, but, no, that's not his thing. I was yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you need to know your type. Don't go in there saying, oh, I'm a jock. Mm-hmm. When they're like, oh, maybe you're more so the tech guy. Right. Uh, you want to make sure that you match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Was there something else you, uh, you were going to say there, Katra? Yes. Um, uh, on the topic of the actual meeting, it's very similar to an audition where you need to kind of drop all expectations. So prepare as much as you can humanly prepare. Mm-hmm. But then once the interview or the meeting starts, drop all your expectations because mm-hmm. I've had the problem in the past of being like, this is going to change my life. It's going to go this way. And you know, that's like, how Keisha sounds off, is, off podcast. Awesome. <laughs> um, and so um, if you do that, similarly, if you do that in an audition, a lot of the times you'll kind of be let down. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just, it's, it'll give you so much more peace if you go in with <laughs> very little expectations and just confidence mm-hmm. in yourself that you were prepared and you know what you're going to say and you're confident that's great, but don't think it's good. don't go in there being like this is going to change my life because yeah. you know. Mm. Yeah, and uh, along with the <laughs> research to do, I would also say make sure you research them yes. as an agency, as an agent. Know who they rep. They might rep someone who is of a name, and that's something that you could bring up in conversation, mm-hmm. and it shows that oh, I am studying who you are. I know who you are. This isn't. I'm not just walking into this room blind. Well, I know what that, I'm like, getting into. See if you can find out like about the agent. If you can find out, does he like the Dodgers? Do they love fine wines? You know, is there something you could, you know, not not bribe, but like, do you can you wear something that maybe would cause a conversation that opens up like, oh, I already feel comfortable with you because you're also a, a Dodgers fan. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. And you can find all that on social media without even trying that hard, usually. Yeah. Not, not a lot of investigative work. <laughs> no, yeah. I was going to say, so getting ready for an agent meeting is like kind of like a stalker. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I try not to use that word, but it a little bit is. You know, you go on all their social profiles, and you're like, all right, what can I find? <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with us. Here's some pictures I took out outside your house. Oh, God. I love your yard. We do not endorse that kind of behavior <laughs> here on not. the podcast. Hollywood also podcast is not endorsed. Um, <laughs> one, one thing I'd love to, as we kind of start to wrap up on yeah. it, we've talked about the lead up to the meeting and everything like that. We've discussed our... Uh, or Daniel, I don't know if you want to speak. I mean, about I don't. I don't really have a lot of experience. I was repped a little bit by uh, by two. Uh, I think the one Michael. It's funny. Michael has referred me to uh, his manager, his previous manager, and I've referred him to the agent. Uh, so we've kind of helped each other out. Um, but for me, it just never really worked out because acting kind of did fall by the wayside. So right now, really, literary agency is kind of where I'm headed. But uh, so I don't have a lot of stories, unfortunately. So I was just enjoying hearing y'all stories. Okay. Well, yeah. then one thing that maybe as we wrap up on mm-hmm. just other advice in terms of sustaining that relationship once you got the agent or the manager any piece of advice that you would have as you go on your journey well it's yeah i'd say like a piece of advice that works towards the journey or just that you feel is the most important part of the relationship mm-hmm. um i i definitely think you need to be in contact with your agents at least twice a month so like every two weeks and i say that because you need to stay top of mind especially with if you're in an agency with Dozens and dozens and dozens of clients. Um, dozens and dozens <laughs> and dozens and dozens. Yes. Um, you need to stay top of mind. And don't be weird and bother them and like text them all day, every day. But just, you know, send <laughs> an email being like, hey, like in the last two weeks, I've 
taken this class, I generated this audition on my own, you know, just any little thing, even if it's one little sentence of like an update or just that I saw this and reminded me of you, have a nice day, hope you're doing great. Like that is all you need to do just to remind them that you're alive, especially if you're new and you're kind of just getting the ball rolling. If you're not booking, you know, just remember that you're alive. And um, that's all it usually takes. I've, I've had several friends be like, you know, I haven't had an audition in months. They send an email and the next day they get an audition. <laughs> so, you, you know, it's that is huge is follow up and consistency and just, you know, not sitting by the phone and waiting and going out and just continuing your career on your own, you know. Mm-hmm getting involved with as much as possible, submitting on your own, auditioning on your own, making your own stuff. Just know that they are just a piece of your puzzle and not the whole puzzle. Yeah, I I would just continue on with that. Continue to do work and let them know that you're working. Mm-hmm. Nothing is more attractive in this business than someone who is continually working and hustling uh, for their own career. And I think if you're new to that agency or you're new to that manager, hey, I just got cast in this short film or hey, I'm doing this show. Don't worry, I have this availability in case you need to send me out an audition. But you're constantly checking in not only with how they're doing, but you're telling them, hey, I'm working, I'm busy, I've got momentum. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned like, oh, I met maybe, I went to a film festival, I met these filmmakers, or I met these casting directors. Is there any way you could follow up to see what projects maybe these casting directors are working on? Or I've checked, uh, my resources in terms of what workshops the casting directors are teaching. Do you know of any uh, venues that I might be able to check out? Mm-hmm. Um, asking ways in which they can help you, certainly, like you know, what uh, casting office should I be on the lookout for um, for workshops? And that way you can start fostering relationships. Not only do those uh, managers and agents have relationships with those casting offices, but you wanna have a relationship with that casting office. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do need that middle person to get us the job, but if you can be, you know, befriend a casting director and that begets you work, that's even better. And that's the type of stuff uh, agents I know really like to see is that you're building relationships with casting. Yes, and you can do that without an agent. I've auditioned for things and bypassed the agent step. That's a whole other story for another time, but it's possible. <laughs> so don't give up, my friends. Um, I, I'd say my piece of advice would be um, trust your instincts. Um, if you start feeling like it's not working or you start feeling awkward about it or you start seeing signs that things may not be right or working properly, you know, uh, you're maybe not getting paid what you should or, you know, things like that. Um, even in the initial meeting, you know, if you're feeling that it's just not working, the, the chem- chemistry is not there, you know, trust that. Don't just be so excited to get an agent that you're like, yes, I'm in, even though this feels weird. Yeah, or, um, or be desperate enough to allow those faults to fall by the wayside. Yeah. If, you know, you're, if your representation keeps sending you out on auditions for projects that you're not the type for, or you find yourself in awkward situations, mm-hmm. Know that, address that with your agent, and if the situation doesn't improve, leave that agent. Call it. Yeah, I mean, if they offer you to give you free photos and then offer ask you to pay for those photos after they've offered them for free, don't don't stay there. Yeah, like that's that that starts getting awkward, and that's where you you know listen to the voice in your head going something's wrong, something's wrong. Um, I need to bow out. I completely agree with that. I recently was trialing with a manager who kept sending me out for mid thirties. And I'm early 20s, late teens, and I kept telling them, you know, this person hadn't met me before because they were out of state. 
I kept trying to explain to them, like, this is absolutely so far out of my age range. I don't think you understand. And they continued to send me, like, 35 to 40-year-old roles. I'm like, absolutely not. So we I'm have like, a role here. They've mid-40 divorcee. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was. I swear to you. It was, like, divorced wives. I'm like, I'm literally a teenager. <laughs> See, I had a situation where it was for a commercial. And in this spot, it's, uh, you know, two uh, – it's a same-sex couple getting married. And, you know, at the time I was doing a show in which, you know, I was playing a character whose sexuality was in question, but I'm all fine. I'm all good for going in for an audition. I'll play any part. But I get to the audition and I'm in the casting room and the casting director is so upset with me because I come to find out they're looking for a real couple. They're looking for... (gasps) a real gay couple Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to be there with my real boyfriend and like i i had not been given any notice to this there was no um prep because there was a non-speaking commercial Mm -hmm. spot and so all of a sudden the casting director starts talking not only to me but there's some other actors there um with a similar issue and she just started asking like well are you gay and that then it started getting really uncomfortable because you know, it's like, well, would you ask if I was straight? It, it, like, this is now just starting to be really weird. And then, you know, she ended up just going like, okay, I just, I'm going to pair you off and you're going to kiss on camera and then that's it. And I immediately called my representation afterwards and was like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, there were some major things that you guys did not either check when you submitted me for this or that you did not relate to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was one of the most uncomfortable uh, situations I've been involved with so yeah. you got to be careful yeah, and not awkward. don't be you know and I, and I can acknowledge I was at one point desperate because I wanted to get work so badly mm-hmm. but don't l- allow that desperation to forego any faults yeah. around you I think the biggest thing to kind of uh, end on is that it's a relationship the the mm-hmm. agent or the manager or whoever it's a, it's a relationship and the one of the biggest the two biggest things with relationships is trust and communication. And if you don't have that, then it's not going to work either either way at all. Yeah. But uh, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you guys took something out of that and learned some things. Now, and if you also have any interesting stories of how you gained representation or, or stories that you've heard, please, please, please let us know. And we'll share it here on the podcast. Uh, you can email us. Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com or you know contact us on our social media channels Twitter LA Hustlecast um, at LA Hustlecast or Hollywood Hustle Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or you can also visit our website www.hollywoodhustlepodcast.com you can please make sure you're telling others about the podcast you can they can find us on iTunes uh, Google Play. I think we're working on Satchel again for right now. Um, and uh, please leave us a review on iTunes if yeah, you get a it, chance. If you really enjoy what you're hearing and like what's happening, please let other people know. I mean, people read those things, so definitely go on and just leave us a quick review. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, it is currently when we're recording this, we're in August. In a couple months, you know, actors are going to be getting ready for pilot season again, and they'll be submitting for agents and managers so please let us know how you're preparing mm-hmm. if you're an actor let us know what you're preparing yeah. uh, in your submissions absolutely all right and Kedra thank you so much again thank for you, joining Kedra. us yes of course ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba, for another ba-ba-ba, Team ba-ba-ba. Hustle episode <laughs> now uh, if, if you have questions for Michael specifically about some of the things he's talked about where can they find you Michael yeah I'm on Instagram Twitter at Michael Lutheran 
uh, just go ahead or, or you can check out my website michaellutheran.com where he is the best friend with a secret <laughs> uh, Keitra, where can they find you? Um, my name, Keitra Parkman, anywhere online, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'm not to be confused with the rapper Keitra Nada. That is not what? me. What? what? You... <laughs> or the newly minted Instagram account Slatra. Yes, you can find me under the account Slatra. It's a microblog for feminism, uh, politics, and other fun stuff. That's, That's awesome. 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 It's a really, it's a fun. It's a, and it's also, fun like Instagram. we called her Slatra. On the previous mm-hmm. Team Muscle. Yeah. Daniel, how about you? How uh, you, you can find you? me on Twitter, Daniel Tuttle, T U T T E L, all one word, or uh, at D Tuttle, uh, T U T T E L, at uh, on Instagram. Uh, we post, we do a lot of fun stuff on Instagram. We do a lot of fun stuff on Twitter. We have articles that we post. We have uh, videos and buff boomerangs and things galore. So definitely check us out on social media. Uh, Michael, what's coming up? All right. Yeah. So coming up next. Uh, yeah, so coming up next Tuesday, part one of our series with the LA-based production company Leading Lobos. Uh, Daniel sits down with uh, Daniel sits down for a one-on-one interview with partners. Nope, reread it. Okay. Coming up next Tuesday, part one of our series with LA-based production company Leading Lobos. Daniel sits down for a one-on-one. Ah. <laughs> one on two. There we go. Mm-hmm. Coming up next Tuesday, part one of our series with LA-based production company Leading Lobos, Daniel sits down for a one-on-two interview with partners Nick Smith and Marcus Freelander to discuss building a company from the ground up, how they each found a love for film, finding their paths to film school, and what they want to do with their lives like all of us. Uh, (laughs) How long have they known what they want to do? We also discuss working in a partnership, the pros, the cons, and what it takes to work the good what it takes to work the good and the hard times. The, I mean, these guys have worked hard to build strong connections and also a wonderful uh, filmography, all the while gaining a ton of experience. So you do not want to miss this episode, everyone. It's a great one. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, please always remember to keep up the hustle. God. It's gotten so out of hand.